This is Current Thought, Con Edison's newest podcast that provides a glimpse of cutting edge ideas, innovations, and technologies that our researchers are working on. These projects have the potential to improve almost every aspect of the energy business and in the not too distant future. Current Thought is the companion podcast to Con Edison's Plugged In. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Korbliss. Innovation is core to Con Edison's business. That's why we're always thinking about the future and exploring how breakthroughs in technology and science might benefit our customers. So we're asking our Con Edison experts three questions about an idea, technology, or innovation that has captured their attention. Our theme for this episode is COVID-19. And today we're looking at thermoscan technology, UV lights, and anti-foggers in the fight against the coronavirus. Joining us today are Con Edison's engineers, Steve Goh and Steve Labazinski. Thermal infrared technology is great. Uh, most of us have probably came across uh, in one form or another. And right? if we have young children in, in house, for instance, we use the ear uh, thermometers that we check their body temperatures with. And uh, as a company, uh, Con Ed, we use thermal cameras to identify hotspots of assets like uh, cables, uh, cable joints, uh, transformers and uh, bushings of the transformers to look for hotspots for troubleshooting. Uh, and there are a few types of thermometers. Uh, first, the spot radiometers uh, are sometimes called thermal guns uh, that we've seen, uh, particularly uh, after this uh, pandemic or during this pandemic. Well, these guns uh, works by sampling a temperature of a single spot. Uh, and um, typically they are recommended at, uh, to measure the subject at a certain distance and it's, it's um, very uh, sensitive to that. There are a few types of thermometers, right? The spot thermometers, right? well, we call them thermal guns. Right? They take uh, temperature uh, of a single spot um, and they are used fairly frequently by technicians measuring uh, ductwork of the house, or, or your windows for leaks. Uh, and recently we've seen them used for body temperature sampling, right? These are fairly accurate if they are used correctly. Uh, another type is uh, thermographic imaging or thermal cameras. Uh, these cameras are typically industrial use. Uh, like I said before, we use it for hotspot checks of our assets. For instance, uh, lately these cameras and companies are tweaking them for use for body temperature checking. And these cameras are more flexible than, than the uh, spot uh, radiometers I mentioned earlier. Uh, they take multiple points and they can work uh, much further distances. So it's more flexible. Um, and manufacturers use different strategies to measure uh, temperatures. Uh, and so for instance, some of the scanners um, don't just measure the forehead, uh, like the, uh, the gun thermometers I mentioned before. Uh, it actually uh, samples a, a whole person. And what it does is the computer looks for the, the eyes and the samples the temperature around the eye uh, tear duct area. And the reason for that method is to avoid environmental effects. 
So a lot of times we are in a hot sun, for instance, coming in, if you're using a thermal gun, sampling a temperature at the forehead might be a little bit hot because you were in the sun. Uh, or the same holds true if you're in the, ace, in, the, in, the, in the car and the AC is blasting at your face and you sample at your forehead, uh, that's the surface temperature of your forehead and not necessarily representative of your body temperature. At the tear duct, however, is a little bit more accurate. Uh, of your more representative of your body temperature rather. So uh, by using some of these strategies, thermal cameras are a lot more flexible, right? And um, we are piloting a few types. Most of these uh, thermal cameras are designed to measure the temperature at your tear duct. Uh, however, there's one that we are testing that samples the forehead uh, temperature. Uh, the reason for that one difference is that they are capable of measuring uh, a lot more people uh, and much faster uh, throughput. So we do not, so in effect, not creating a problem by having people line up at these uh, thermal scanners. Steve, what are the benefits to us and, and our customers? So these scanners are mainly for visitors, uh, contractors, uh, or non-employees uh, only uh, because uh, owner employees are encouraged to take their own temperatures before coming to work. Uh, and I believe they get sick time uh, for, for, um, for being sick as well. However, it's a little bit harder to control uh, contractors because they will, uh, may have uh, different employee, different policies uh, and visitors. Um, and it's important to mention there is no data being saved. Uh, the only thing these scanners do is sample the temperature. Uh, if you below the fever threshold defined by CDC, which is 100.4, uh, then you're, you're good to go. Uh, if you're above that, uh, you basically get a little red screen and, and uh, you cannot come into the facility. Why is this technology important, Steve Labazinski? This technology is important because it helps us maintain a healthy workplace. Uh, it does not indicate that somebody has COVID, uh, but it will indicate that somebody has some sort of temperature. Um, I mean, there's really no other method at this point uh, that we could kind of test instantly and get some sort of feedback, uh, whether somebody has an illness or not, but it definitely helps us maintain a healthy workplace to, to our employees, even though this is just being used for, uh, you know, people, contractors and visitors, uh, I mean, this is a big plus uh, to help, you know, keeping everybody safe and well. Our second topic is UV lights. Steve Labazinski, can you kick off this topic for us? What is this technology and why is it important? UV technology is very important because it has been used in the past to many issue with UV is that uh, there are some safety concerns about being directly exposed to ultraviolet light such as potential damage to your skin and your eyes. Uh, but with that said, it is uh, basically a, it could be a continuous system that would deactivate uh, the virus. But, but the virus also has to be exposed to that ultraviolet light as well. So having proper uh, cleaning methods, et cetera, uh, to make sure that the surface is clean. Uh, and also this could also be used for air as well. So there are many uses of ultraviolet light as well. So it's not just surfaces, but also air. And one of the systems we're looking into is to incorporate this in what we call the upper air. So in other words, there is no chance or limited chance, actually no chance, 
of a person being exposed to the and as air gets there's a built-in fan into the system and as air goes through this system it goes through ultraviolet light which helps to deactivate the um you know the basically a, a virus so the ultraviolet light is cleaning the air the ultraviolet light does not clean the air what it does it deactivates any airborne viruses uh based on so when you start looking at ultraviolet light there's ultraviolet a b and c uh, and as you go through there's various wavelengths assigned to those ultraviolet uh, light codes if you want to call it for the wavelength of ultraviolet the more energy it possesses and it's because of that energy that deactivates the the shell of the virus and and filter that's not that's one of the other methods that can be used to to want to cause capture the virus is by having a refined HEPA filter and that will capture the virus in there but ultraviolet light actually deactivates the virus kills it. the benefit of using ultraviolet light is that uh, once again there's a lot of assumptions that are being made as far as everybody came out of the woodwork saying hey we have a solution for COVID but nobody has proven anything about COVID uh, there is tons of information that ultraviolet does deactivate viruses. So there are assumptions that are being made, whether it's a surrogate model uh, or similar viruses to the COVID, that the system will work. Uh, how it benefits us is that it kind of gives us some assurance that, first of all, companies being proactive and maintaining healthy workplaces, number one, uh, but also based on that information, it gives us some assurance that if there is anything that is airborne, and that seems to be a lot of indication right now that the virus is mostly airborne, uh, but not only would it take care of COVID, but also the other viruses that are in the air as well. So it helps to keep that air cleaner or safer. Our third topic is anti-foggers. <laughs> Steve Labazinski, what are anti-foggers and why are they important? So a couple of years uh, past, I actually was out in the field and I spoke to some of the operating crews that are working down in the manhole. And I asked them, you know, what are some of the safety uh, improvements that you would love to see coming out of R&D. And one of them, they said, hey, every time we go down in this hole, they fog up, our safety glasses fog up. So at that point, we started to, uh, Brenda and myself, an associate in R&D, started looking at what are some of the solutions out there. So there are wipes that you could put on there, but the wipes last a very short period of time. And if somebody's continuously, you know, say wiping the, the lenses, you know, that, that solution comes off, right? It's very important that everybody actually now you know, has the capability or, or possibility of getting these safety glasses that do not fog up because as soon as you put on that mask and you put on any glasses, your glasses start to fog up. And if they start to fog up, then you really can't see what you're doing. So even though this started for a different reason, <clears throat> excuse me, the opportunity kind of rented, you know, lent itself to a, a much wider audience. And, and now, uh, you know, we're doing this pilot. We're looking at six different models. Uh, the benefits of anti-fog glasses, once again, they don't fog up. The, the technology that's there actually is baked into it, so it's a lot better than a wipe. They also put other technologies in there to minimize any scratching of the lenses as well. Um, the feedback that we got so far, this has been probably about a month and a half uh, out in uh, the various operating groups, has been very positive. So you're actually trying out these glasses in the field? We've been trying, yes, we are trying out the glasses in the field. It's been approximately six weeks or so since this was introduced to the various operating groups in various areas such as Westchester, Bronx, Manhattan, Staten Island, Brooklyn, Queens, et cetera. So uh, we're trying to get as much feedback from the various operating groups and kind of pick out two or three 
of the best lenses. Um, you know, some of the feedback we got is, hey, you know what, one model seems to scratch a little bit more than the other. Uh, so once again, that's very valuable. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, what we want is we want employees to wear PPE because they want to, not because they have to. We hope you've gained some new insights on these technologies and the fight against coronavirus. We'll keep an eye out for them going forward. A big thank you to our guests, Stephen Goh and Stephen Lavazinski, for sharing their current thinking with us and to you, our audience. Thanks for joining us. If you have a technology, idea, a comment, or question, send us an email to podcast at coned.com. We'd love to hear from you. Remember to follow us on all of our social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Our handle is at ConEdison. Make sure to use our hashtag, hashtag current thought. That's hashtag C-U-R-R-E-N-T-T-H-O-U-G-H-T. We'll see you in the future.